Welcome to Quit Bleeping Around, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve more in life. Here's your host, Christina Eanes. Hello, Super Achievers. For this episode, I'm interviewing Bob Goodwin. Bob is the founder of Career Club, a resource to help people who are in job transition learn how to get a better job faster. Welcome, Bob. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, Chris. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, this is a much needed topic, uh, but before we get into it, can you share a little bit about your background with our listeners? Sure. Thank you. So uh, my background is sales and marketing uh, for the past 25 years and mostly on the sales, sales leadership side, uh, selling usually marketing information, consumer insights, things like that to world-class brands like Procter, Coca-Cola, Samsung, Walmart, big brands like that. And um, in the past couple of years, I've taken what's been uh, my passion, which is helping people in job transition and made it my vocation by bringing the sales and marketing principles from my career and applying those to helping people uh, in their job transitions. Oh, I love that you're doing that. For a lot of people need it too right now. <laughs> Because yeah, a lot of stuff has been going on with the job market. At myself, yeah, I have two twenty-something um, kids, and I know that one of them's trying to get into the professional world after college. And they could definitely use the advice that you are sharing today. I'm sure. Well, it, it is pretty universal. Um, you know, on on the one side, there's people that are literally in job transition. You know, in between opportunities, mm-hmm. um, and and we know unemployment is pretty low. These days, it's at like historical lows, although we are starting to see, you know, more layoffs and things like that as the economy gets a little bit more challenging. But I did a survey on LinkedIn a couple months ago and had 200, 250 responses. And the thing that was shocking to me was fully 40% of people who are currently working aren't that happy yeah. in their job. So I guess the good news is 60% are, but 40% is a pretty big number. So whether you're in job transition or just not loving what you're doing, you know, it, it's a very relevant topic, it seems. Absolutely. So then let's let's dive into the first part of the equation today on the emotional drain of searching for a job. Can you say a little bit more about that and, and maybe some ways to overcome it? Yeah. So there seem to be three dominant emotions that people deal with uh, in, in a job search. The first one is fear. You, know, you mentioned like your, uh, your 220-somethings. Um, fear that maybe I didn't go to the right school. I didn't get the right degree. I don't have a network. Whatever their fear is, I just don't have any experience. Who would hire me? Um, all the way to you know, somebody who's 50 years or older, like, oh, I'm too old. Uh, This isn't going to work for me. I've been at this one company for a really long time. This is all I know, or my skills are rusty, whatever it is. But but fear is a very dominant emotion that it's just not going to work out for me for whatever reason. The second emotion is confusion. And this is just around the job search process because it's pretty broken by itself. You know, people apply for a million things online and then wonder why nobody ever gets back to them. Yeah. There's confusion around, you know, what path should I be taking for my career? 
Um, am I, am I, should I keep doing the same thing I've been doing, even though it's a little bit boring? Should I try something new? Just between process and direction, there's a lot of confusion. But I would say that the third emotion is really the most toxic, which is bitterness, yeah. or anger for people who have been let go from whatever their most recent role was and are just mired in it wasn't fair. If you knew how badly you know, I was mistreated. Um, in fact, let me tell you about how badly I was mistreated. And going into networking calls or even interviews, carrying that big chip on their shoulder, yeah, you know, is is really tough. So fear, confusion, and and anger, you know, are are really kind of where we find a lot of people emotionally. Oh, absolutely, and it's uh, all. It- related to mindset very much so yeah Yeah. and um which is why i think that being in community so this would be maybe one of the first things that we might suggest to people is that being in community is really important so if we if we're talking specifically about people that have been let go from their job they've been laid off for whatever um that You've been disassociated with your identity. Hey, I'm an accountant, and now I'm not an accountant on Monday morning because I don't have a job to go to. I've been disassociated from my colleagues, who oftentimes are friends and people we spend a lot of time with. And then you put COVID on top of that, particularly here the past couple of years, and it can be a really isolating experience. And your your ego takes a hit. And, you know, a lot of people would have a tendency to withdraw. You're depressed. And so, you know, it's, it's just a really challenging environment uh, to people that people find themselves in. So being in community is really important. Um, and I think, too, depending on where your, your mind really is, um, working with a professional coach and sometimes even before that, a therapist. To maybe work through some stuff. Yeah. But the positive part in this is a lot of times it creates some space for people to do a reset and to finally have a little bit of breathing room to stop doing and start thinking and doing a little bit of you know meditating and figuring out what are their core values, what is important to them, and how can they start to incorporate that a bit better in their next role. Than maybe they have been previously. Yeah. Well, and I can see how visiting with a professional therapist or coach would help prior to being in community, right? Because we want to build up that community to support us, but we also don't want to be an emotional drain on that community. Well, Chris, you make such a great point. So one of the things that I talk about is it's like buying a Super Bowl ad So I'm really busy, like I'm in front of a lot of people, I'm networking like crazy, you know, whether that's meeting people at Starbucks or I'm doing Zoom calls or however it is that I'm networking. So I'm seeing a lot of people just like a a Super Bowl ad is exposed to a lot of folks. But if the message isn't good, yeah, then you're airing a really bad commercial. And then it's like, oh, I met with Bob. Yeah, like you don't want to meet with Bob. Bob is, you know, got a chip on his shoulder or Bob is 
really confused. Like, I, I didn't know what he was looking for. I don't think he knows what he's looking for. So I'm not really sure what the point of that networking meeting was. And so, you know, just a major agreement to your observation that it's really important to get your mind and emotions in a good place before you start doing, you know, much networking and outreach. And then highly related to that is getting your message down. Yeah. So if you're asking people for help in a networking call, but you don't know what help looks like, kind of by definition, that means they can't help you. It's like asking for directions, but you don't know where you want to go. <laughs> yeah. People might be willing to help you, but they have to have a little bit of a hint of what help looks like for you. I love the analogy of the the Super Bowl commercial. I mean, that's <laughs> that's like perfect analogy, metaphor, whatever it is. It's, you know, if you're going to spend, you know, several million dollars on you know, getting your message out there, you better make sure you're getting it right. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and yeah, I mean, you know, to, to people's credit, this sort of gets back to the confusion yeah. part of not really knowing what's the process, what should I be doing, what's the sequence of events. And we've all been told, well, you're probably going to get your next job, Chris, through networking. Okay, I guess I better start networking. Yeah. And now you're almost immediately out of sequence because you're busy meeting people or trying to meet people and you're not really ready yet. Yeah. So it sounds like really the first step is to, for lack of a better term, take a beat, right? Address that emotion, get your mindset in the right place however you need to do that. And there's a lot of services out there for therapists and coaches that don't necessarily cost money. There's a lot of resources out there. Any, any suggestions in addition to a therapist or a coach? Yeah. yeah. So to, first of all, just to build on your point, there are a lot of great um, local community driven job search groups mm -hmm. like in almost a community of, of any decent size. I'm in Cincinnati and I can think of three off the top of my head um, that are all good. Free resources, lots of free resources, lots of community um, for, for people to uh, engage with. Um, and, and then I'm a big fan of like strength finders. So again, it's kind of in the notion of taking a step back and figuring out what's important to you. Um, most people, I would put myself in this category, so you know, no judging, is we're, we're oftentimes fairly self-unaware yeah. about things. And even to the extent that we are aware, we lack the vocabulary to articulate it well. Yeah. And so when there's assessments like strength finders that really kind of help you understand yourself a bit better, one. And, and say, wow, these are the five things that really are, I guess I, never, I guess I never really thought of it this way, but you know, now that it's positioned to me this way, I do like doing these things. And I do seem to shine when I'm engaged in these kinds of activities or in this kind of a culture. And then the vocabulary to describe it, which gets back to messaging, you know, to like in networking or interviewing, when you can speak clearly, uh, concisely, about what makes you tick, what your values are, what you're looking for. It's actually a pretty differentiated behavior. It's like, wow, Chris yeah. really understands herself. I don't talk to many people that can say it as clearly as she just did. You know, and that's a good thing. So 
yeah, I think that, that using assessments, uh, being in free community groups, and for those who are you know in a position where they might be able to pay for a little bit of help, all those things work together well. Oh, absolutely. So once they figure out how to get in the the right headspace, how then do we get a better job faster? Okay, so we're we're tracking right along. So the first thing is attitude, which is what we were talking about. Yeah, you know, which is that right headspace. The second bit is around messaging, and just very quickly, um, I speak in alliteration, so there's four C's. Um, Convictions, which is what we were just talking about, like with strength finders, what do I really believe? What are my values? And whether you can do that through an assessment or you get some coaching to help, uh, you know, pull that out of you. Mm -hmm. When you know your convictions, that brings clarity. And so many people lack clarity in a job search. Well, you know, Chris, I've done HR and operations and sales and marketing. (laughs) Like, stop. Like, (laughs) You know, you're officially going in the junk drawer of my mind yeah. because I, I don't know what you are now. And, and I think job seekers mistakenly think that when they're doing what I call like a catalog sale, you know, stop me when you see something huh. you like. Yeah. It, it's actually counterproductive because you're confusing the person. I don't know what you are. I'm not sure you know what you are. And, and therefore, there's a lack of clarity. The other beautiful part about clarity is that you learn what to say no to. Oftentimes, you know, depending on how long somebody's been in job search, how afraid they are that they're not going to land, they'll take a job just to take a job. And it may not be a very good fit. And they may find themselves looking again way sooner than they thought they would because they just jumped into something. Because they lack the clarity to know what to say no to. So when we have our convictions, that brings clarity, what to say yes to, and importantly, what to say no to. Uh, When we've got clarity, that brings confidence, which is the third C. So I know what I believe. I know how to talk about it. And I actually believe this. So if I'm networking, or maybe more importantly, if I'm interviewing, I'm not trying to guess what the right answer is. From the other person's point of view, I'm just speaking what's true for me. And I believe it. I've got confidence that what I'm talking about is true. I know I'm good at this. I know I thrive in this kind of environment. I know this is how I contribute. And when we're confident, we sit up straighter, we modulate differently, our eyes are more open. And the beautiful part about being confident leads to the fourth C is it's contagious. Yeah. When you believe, you make me believe. And ultimately, people hire people. Computers don't hire people. Resumes don't hire people. People hire people. Yeah. And so it's like, I don't know. I just really resonated with Chris. I mean, the way she told her story, the way she described some of the experiences and how she contributes, I just, I can really see her working here. She made me believe. Oh. So convictions, clarity, confidence. Yeah. I mean, I can see it on the flip side too. If you don't believe in yourself, how can someone else believe in you? That's what it is. So so in our little process here, we've got our attitude right. We've got our messaging right. Then that leads to outreach. So now we're ready to network. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think networking is really obvious. That's a statement of the obvious. It's very important. I think sometimes I've seen this a lot over the past 15 years is that 
sometimes people don't approach networking with the appropriate amount of gravity, mm-hmm. meaning if they were going into an interview, they would be very buttoned up and you know, have their A game ready. Yeah. But, well, I'm just networking with John. So, yeah, like I, I didn't shave today and I'm wearing a T-shirt. <laughs> and I don't really, you know, and I'm not even trying that hard because I'm just, it's just a networking meeting. Yeah. But from the other person's point of view, it's like, well, if you're going to ask me to refer you to somebody, that means I'm putting my brand on you. Yeah. And yeah, you didn't really show up like as somebody I want to represent yeah. to somebody important in my network. So when you ask me, well, Bob, is there anybody you can think of that you know you might want to introduce me to? Mm, let me think about it. You know, I'll get back to you, which means no. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so networking is super important, obviously. Um, but but the second the second piece in that is, and this is a core thing that we try and teach people at Career Club, is being able to do direct outreach to companies. Like hardly anybody does this. People are very reactive. They'll go on Indeed or LinkedIn and they'll, you know, see the ocean of job postings. And that's as big as their universe is, is these posted job openings. And, you know, the analogy I use is that's like a request for proposal, an RFP from a company. And most salespeople hate RFPs. It's a black box. I've got no control over the process. <laughs> yeah, I don't ever get to meet anybody. I just submit all my stuff and pray that somebody reads it and likes it. Well, that's exactly what online job applications are. Yeah. What a real salesperson would do is have a territory, you know, identify who's the decision maker. They would know their value proposition. They would have some notion of what the pain points are of their prospect. And they would just start reaching out to them and trying to build a relationship with a decision maker or other influencers at that company. That's what salespeople do all day, every day. And yet most people don't see that that's like highly available to them in a job search and would be a very differentiated behavior to be bringing to your next employer, particularly when you're making claims around being creative, strategic, a self-starter. Like. All those behaviors would be represented in doing a direct outreach like that. Oh, absolutely. And, and yet it's a it's a, a highway that most people don't even take advantage of. So, you know, outreach is just really, really important. And just having enough opportunities. I, I would say that's the other thing that people really get, I think, messed up in is they've got one or two opportunities. And then they just sit on those two eggs waiting for one of them to hatch. Yeah. And when they both invariably break, they're like, oh, no. And then, then the depression starts all over again. Yeah. That dream. And so, so people don't have enough opportunities that they're working at various stages of development. They get too enamored with one or two. And, and, and I think that becomes an issue. So sufficient outreach. And then you know, there's interviewing, and we could spend an hour just talking about interviewing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then negotiating your deal and, and making sure that it's really a good fit for both parties. Um, but you know, th- that would be the process. Attitude, messaging, 
outreach, interviewing, and negotiating. Oh, yeah. Now, in the outreach, I've actually found as well, volunteering has helped me immensely. Uh, when I was a crime analyst, I volunteer for the Crime Analyst Association, and that put me in front of a lot of different folks, and it was rewarding. And then in the talent development field now, uh, just volunteering with that professional association, it, it's part of that being in the community that you had mentioned earlier. It's part of the networking and and people get to know you, you get to know them. So I've, I've had a lot of uh, a lot of great experience through that. That's a great call out, Chris. I think the other thing that that it does it, it can be very therapeutic. Yes, emotionally, you know, back checks back to all our, the box. <laughs> it, it does, and um, you know what I have found is a lot of people will volunteer. You know, at their church, you know, with some kind of mission that's important to them. It could be a professional association. It could be something that they're trying to upskill in. Yep. So, say, like, this is probably a, a silly example, but say, like, somebody wanted to get better at social media. Well, go volunteer at an organization where you can help them with their social media efforts and do it for free. Oh, absolutely. And learn the tools, learn the vocabulary, learn the metrics. So that when you're talking about social media for real in an interview, you actually have some real experience that you can share with people. Absolutely. Can go on the resume too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, earlier you had mentioned Career Club. Can you share, I'm assuming that's a product or service. Can you share a little bit more about that and or any other products or services you'd like with our listeners? No, thank you so much, Chris. So Career Club is uh, our company uh, at career.club. And basically what we're doing is the things that we've been talking about here, which is, you know, preparing people uh, to engage in a proper job search, whether they're in transition right now or mired in a job that they don't like. And uh, one of my clients talked about being busy bored. So she was working. (laughs) She just, you know, wasn't growing and she knew she wasn't growing. She'd be doing the same thing three years from now, you know, and, yeah. and not have learned anything new all the way to, you know, where Sunday night is just a problem Yeah, and you're just dreading going to work. Um, and that's not healthy. I mean, you know, careers go through cycles, but when it's chronically Sunday night's not great, it's probably time to make a change. So in any event, what we've done is we're basically bringing these sales tools and methods to the job search our clients hmm. and using a CRM tool, you know, to help get them organized. Most people run their job search off of sticky notes <laughs> and a spreadsheet. Yeah. And they're basically trying to build their own customer relationship management tool, like a Salesforce, except it wasn't ever designed for that purpose. So we've taken a CRM tool and aligned it with job search. And then the other bit is people really tend to not know all the cool companies that are out there. They know the ones they know. Yeah. Like, who are our three biggest competitors at my last job? Or they go by the book of lists for you know the, the public companies or fastest growing companies in fill in my hometown. And now they've got the same list of prospects as everybody else in that area has. Yeah. And it's a very artificially constrained universe of opportunities. And so we've integrated a database of 1.9 million companies into the CRM tool with an emphasis on fast growing companies that by definition are hiring and scaling. 
And wow. then, so, so the tool that we call Career Club One can be utilized as a self-service, a do-it-yourself version. What we have found over the past year is wrapping some professional services around it, like resume writing, interview coaching, community, uh, actually helping the client own some of the outreach and using the CRM tool to execute that on their behalf is a big idea because it allows particularly our clients who are currently working to execute a stealth job search and be in two places at once that, you know, because the job search is a full-time endeavor. Yeah. And uh, so, so whether it's the DIY version or what we call concierge club, which is the do it with me version with the professional services wrapped around it. Um, the, the, the whole goal is, is to help people find a career that matters to them because work consumes so much of our day. It's how we make money, but it's also where we get you know, so much of our personal fulfillment. Yeah. And work should be something that people enjoy and that they get meaning from. And it's not a replacement for your family or anything like that, but you know, work should be important to you. And, and so that's our goal is to use these proven sales methods and tools to help people find a career that matters to them. Oh, I love it. And that's at career.club. Yes, ma'am. Awesome. That will go into the show notes. Well, thank you. Okay. We are at that point. Your final piece of advice for our listeners. Is to, to own your career and to, to not either be a victim of what's happened to you or to be overly passive. I mean, you talked about your two 20-somethings. When we're young, we don't necessarily know what we want to do, and we kind of fall into things. And you know, sometimes that's good, and sometimes that's not good. But you know, taking some time to reflect, and it's just really what I want to be doing. I think the pandemic has been so helpful because before the pandemic, the way that I would express it is the frame was work, and our life needed to fit into the frame. Yeah. And now that's flipped pretty hard. Yeah. And the frame is our life. And where does work fit into my life? And so that would be the real bit of advice that I'd want to leave folks with is if your work isn't fitting your life, make time to reassess, to find your real values and what really gives you satisfaction and joy and work on either yourself with some tools that are available or with somebody to identify career paths that you would find much more uh, rewarding because this is the only time we get around the track and and it it should be fulfilling. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today, Bob. Chris, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. If you'd like to learn more about Bob, visit his website at career.club. Interested in expanding your employee development program? Visit ChristinaEans.com to look at the many workshops Christina has available for you.